Welcome in to another episode of A Cali Green Monster Show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you here from the Tesla Studios here in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. It is Wednesday morning, March 17th, 2021. You know, we're being able to record this show out of my car. I get to see a lot of shit. You know, a couple weeks ago, I saw a raccoon go in and out of the track trash can. There's a reason why they call them trash pandas. They really do live up by their name, and, you know, that's where they find their dinner, apparently, especially when they live in a city. You know, and just right now, before I started recording, you know, the top of my Tesla is just, like, the windshield and the, the back window kind of, like mold into the the roof like the roof is just one big glass and it had like a little bird that just posted on top of the glass and I don't know if he saw something in the car or just like a piece of dirt on top of like on top of my roof that looked like a seed or something so this bird is just sitting there pecking at my roof and I'm like okay is he gonna stop at any point so finally I start smacking on it and he's just kind of like jumping up and down like hey huh, what's going on and it's like dude quit freaking scratching up the top of my car so you know just a heads up car you know maybe tesla owners or people whose cars have a little bit of dirt still on it you know birds i guess will sit on top of it and peck at it so i'm glad it was on the you know the roof on top where it's just window and not paint because uh, that's the last thing i want is a little bird coming up and pecking and scratching up my paint job so we're not here to talk about birds or you know ob- you know Dean's observations while sitting in a car. We want to talk about some March Madness, you know, and sports and football in general. Yesterday, I, you know, all week I've been talking about the March Madness bracket. You know, tomorrow I'm going to be revealing my picks and my entire bracket before the round one starts on Friday. Yesterday's show, I covered the West and South brackets or the South regions. So West and South. Today, I'm going to be covering the East and the Midwest regions, covering those teams and matchups in the first round. But before I do that, it's been a busy time in the NFL. You know, free agency has really been picking up and, you know, people have been moving teams. Teams have been signing people. You know, my favorite team, the New England Patriots, has been one of the most active and busy teams in free agency. I think they've spent, you know, half, like over the past 10 years, they've almost been able to match that with their free agent signings in just this offseason. So Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they're going against the grain, signing a lot of people. But there's also some other free agency news that doesn't involve the Patriots. I feel like one of the big things that came out yesterday was that the Chicago Bears has gone on ahead and signed Andy Dalton to be their quarterback next season. It's one year, $10 million. And I think the option to get like $3 million more, I think based on incentives and performance. So I know that this probably isn't the most exciting News for Bears fans or people in the NFL looking for a big shakeup. I think a lot of the rumors was that the Bears were in play for Russell Wilson. And if you see some of the reports from this morning is that the Bears were going aggressively after Russell Wilson. So, you know, apparently that was a real thing. But, you know, it kind of... At the end of the day, Seattle says that Russell Wilson isn't up for trade. I don't know if that completely squashes the market and makes it like that Russell Wilson isn't going anywhere because you know at the beginning of the offseason or the beginning of these Russell Wilson rumors he was 
he basically gave the AOK for four teams. It was the Dallas Cowboys, the New Orleans Saints, Chicago Bears, and the Las Vegas Raiders. And over the past couple weeks, Dallas has re-signed Dak Prescott to huge money. So Dallas seems to be off that. You know, not a possibility for Russell Wilson. The Raiders organization has seemed to be firmly behind Derek Carr. And so unless they're planning on doing something, I don't see them bringing in Russell Wilson, especially considering they've been cutting their entire offensive line and Russell Wilson is trying to leave a situation where he doesn't feel like he's being protected very much so I don't see the Raiders being an option considering that you know if he wants protection that's not the place New Orleans Saints they've been spending this whole offseason cutting people and reworking contracts trying to figure out a way to you know get back you know out of just the cap hell that they've been in they were I think like over 60 million dollars like under the cap or over the cap that they needed to you know shed salaries they seem to have been able to do it I don't know if they're quite there yet but either way it seems like they're more going to be going with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill I know that those two guys don't really spark much confidence especially you know an organization like the New Orleans Saints who had a Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees you know now moving on to Taysom Hill who's you know kind of iffy and a lot of people see him more as a utility threat than an actual full-time starting quarterback and then Jameis Winston who last time we saw him in a starting quarterback role sure he threw for 30 touchdowns and over 5,000 yards but he also turned the ball over I think like 36 times it was like it was 30 interceptions and I think six fumbles so you know Jameis Winston there's talent there but he's got to figure out the turnover issues so but but you know the whole me talking about New Orleans is I don't think that they're going to make a move for Russell Wilson so the fact that Chicago has apparently went all out and tried to pursue him aggressively and they weren't able to make a deal done and then has gone on ahead and signed Andy Dalton I think that that might just kind of put the the you know hammer the nail in the coffin in that Russell Wilson will probably be the Seattle Seahawks quarterback next year. That's what I've been leaning towards all year. I just feel like, or all offseason, I know there's a lot of talks about Russell Wilson moving, but I just felt like he's so good. You know, it's very rare for a team to really move on from a, you know, a top quarterback, a top five quarterback. I think that's why, you know, Russell Wilson, I don't expect him to move. And all the talks out of Houston, no matter how disgruntled Deshaun Watson has seemed this offseason, He's Houston has shown them and expressed that they have zero interest in moving him. So it seems like they're gonna if if he's gonna sit out, they're willing to probably just take the L and just establish that hey, you're the face of our franchise and we don't have a future without you in it. So you know I think that that's a smart move in Houston's part because you know Houston probably is gonna be a crappy team with or without Deshaun Watson. So you might as well make sure that you keep the power you know, in that relationship and, you know, and try to do everything you can to make amends and, you know, only move on from them unless someone comes with an offer that really blows you out of the water, you know, something like uh, the Godfathers say, make them an offer you can't refuse. So unless someone comes to Houston with an offer they can't refuse, I don't see them moving on from Deshaun Watson. But, you know, going back to Chicago, signing Andy Dalton, 
I do think it's an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky. I feel like Andy Dalton has been one of the most underrated quarterbacks for the past decade. You know, while he was the starting starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals is considered one of the lesser organizations in the National Football League. Pat McAfee always talks about that Cincinnati is just trash because they don't even have an indoor practice facility. So, you know, if you don't, you're a professional organization, especially in a cold climate like Cincinnati, Ohio, and you don't have an indoor practice facility. So, you know, but Andy Dalton found a way to win lots of games while he was there. There was multiple seasons where he won 10 and 11 games. And, you know, I feel like he's a solid, no, he's a solid quarterback. It's definitely going to not taste as good, I guess, like when you could for Bears fans, considering that, you know, they probably had were dreaming about Russell Wilson. But I think Andy Dalton is definitely better than some of the quarterbacks that they've had over the, you know, the past, you know, their past few quarterbacks. I you can argue that Andy Dalton was better than Jay Cutler when Jay Cutler was at his best <clears throat> the whole time, you know, because. Andy Dalton was a quarterback at the time Jay Cutler was the quarterback. And, you know, I usually preferred Andy Dalton over Jay Cutler. So I think he's better than that. And, you know, especially when you look back at the quarterbacks and the Bears GM, Ryan Pace, like he's technically responsible for this. You know, back in 2017, before the draft, you know, the plan was for the Chicago Bears to draft a quarterback, but they also wanted to make sure to bring in a veteran quarterback to kind of be a mentor and kind of, you know, be a leader in the locker room. So they signed Mike Glennon to a three-year, $45 million deal. That was terrible. He, I don't think he ever w- was the starting quarterback at all for Chicago. And then I think he's down in Jacksonville now, if I believe. So, I mean, they made Mike Glennon a rich dude. And then in that draft, they traded up to the second overall pick. You know, there was tons of good quarterbacks in that draft. There was Patrick Mahomes. There was Deshaun Watson. But they didn't go with either of those guys. They thought that Mitchell Trubisky, they liked the upside of him. They went with him. took them a couple years to figure out that Mitch Trubisky wasn't the guy. Last year in 2020, they traded for Nick Foles and then proceeded to sign him to a three-year, $24 million deal. They thought that Nick Foles would be the answer, and I think there was a lot of people that thought it might have been a smart move. I mean, he had success in Philadelphia, won them a Super Bowl, was a Super Bowl MVP, but things didn't work out. Mitch Trubisky ended up getting the job back, so that's another quarterback that didn't work out, and now they're moving on to Andy Dalton. So, I mean, if you look at the past th- quarter, the past three QB moves that he's made by signing Mike Glennon, drafting Mitch Trubisky and bringing in Nick Foles and signing him to a contract. That's basically three swings. And, you know, typically it's three swings and a miss, you know, and you're out. But I guess that's in baseball. I guess in NFL, as long as I guess you have a good relationship with the owner or the owner is perceiving you to do a good job, you can keep messing up. And, you know, hopefully, I guess for Ryan Pace, Dalton will be, something you know but we don't even know with Chicago if they're even going to have their top weapon Allen Robinson you know they franchise tagged him but he's refusing to sign it so we're going to see what happens there because he looks like he's going to be holding out it's probably in Chicago's best interest to try to figure out something a way to keep Allen Robinson and make him happy because you know he's one of the only bright spots on their offense and he's a dude who's been making really crappy quarterbacks look slightly better than what they actually are especially like in you know Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky 
So in other quarterback news, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he looks like he's going to be taking the starting job over the Washington football team. He signed a one-year $10 million contract. I think that's a good move for him. They've, you know, they've had Alex Smith be their quarterback, you know, before he just completely got his leg demolished and even last year for stretches of time. So they're a team that, you know, is used to having a a veteran presence under center. That's what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. I don't know which team number this is. This might be his 12th or 13th team he's played for. Seems like, you know, he must have a pretty incredible jersey collection back at home. You know, he's going to have some weapons there. You know, he has Terry McLaurin, wide receiver, Antonio Gibson at running back. You know, those are two really premium weapons, but I think Washington football team needs to figure out and bring a, you know, get another few pieces to help Fitzpatrick. You know, Washington football team has an elite defense, and I think if they can, you know, bring in a couple more pieces on offense, they're a legit, like, favorite in the nfc east i think currently as today as i'm recording this podcast i still think dallas is the favorite in the nfc east but you know washington football team you know fitzpatrick that was a good move and i definitely think they're a threat in the nfc and i think they're you know a potential wild card team at least guaranteed a a wild card if they don't win the nfc east so and then one more bit of news free agency news before I move into talking about the March Madness and the East and Midwest regions is Trent Williams, offensive tackle for the 49ers. He re-signs with the 49ers. He was considered by most people and most analysts and most websites that I would follow as the top free agent to sign in this offseason. He's 32 years old. He got He was drafted fourth overall in 2010 by Washington. He's been to eight Pro Bowls. The 49ers traded for him, I believe, last year, and you know he's one of the he's one of the premier offensive tackles. He wanted to test free agency because he was curious to see what a premium tackle such as himself would fetch on the open market. Because for the most part, tackles with his resume or his stance in the league or just at that you know, at that caliber of offensive tackle, he usually doesn't hit free agency. So, well, if he got his answer, he got six years, uh, $138 million, 55 of that is guaranteed. He's now the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL history. So good for him. Apparently the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chicago Bears were both in on him as well. It makes sense that Kansas City was in on him. They had just recently cut both of their tackles. So I wonder if when they cut their tackles, if them signing Trent Williams was, you know, part of that plan is like, cut the tackles, sign Trent Williams. So it'll be kind of curious to see what the Chiefs do now because, you know, they have the most valuable player in the league, the best quarterback in the league, and they need to be able to protect him. You know, they can't let what happened in the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers happen to him continuously. They need to keep this guy upright, and they need to keep this guy healthy. And, um, you know, that's the best way for the Chiefs to be successful, so we'll see what happens there. And it's kind of interesting to see that Chicago was in on it because – you know, word is that Russell Wilson, you know, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, one of the problems he has in Seattle is that he's not protected. I think Chicago, by trying to bring in the best offensive tackle on the market, would have been pretty appealing to Russell Wilson. So they weren't able to get it done, and it looks like Williams is going back to the Bay. Do I, I, 
is he going to be protecting Jimmy Garoppolo or someone different? That only time will tell. But as of right now, uh, yeah. All right. Let's move on to March Madness, talk some college basketball. Hopefully yesterday when I was covering the West and South regions, hopefully you were able to learn a little something, hopefully something to help you out while you're filling out your bracket. But as I mentioned, I'm just a normal dude who doesn't know what the hell he's doing, just like I think most people who are filling out their brackets. I think some people go with the strategy of picking you know, whatever mascot they like the best, or some people just go with picking the highest seeds. And I think at the end of the day all of those strategies work you know I think with me I'm trying to see every little bit of, or not every little bit of nugget but I'm trying to see some little bits of nuggets from every little bit of team and trying to paint or a picture of what is going to happen in this tournament I think at the end of the day you know I've already kind of started putting together my bracket, you know, so for tomorrow's show. And you know, there's a lot of matchups where it's just going to come down to, honestly, a coin flip. And let's see, you know, with some, whatever I'm covering today, let's see, maybe it'll give me some clarity. Maybe it'll give you some clarity. And maybe we will all have successful March Madness, Madness tournament brackets. So let's get into it. The East region, number one seed, Michigan. It's a tough bracket, or it's a tough part of the tournament. There's a lot of good teams in it. You know, they have the SEC tournament champion, Alabama, and there's also the Big 12 tournament champion, Texas. You also have tough teams like Florida State, Colorado. You got BYU, who gave Gonzaga trouble in the uh, WEC conference championship game. You got Georgetown, who's in it, that's, you know, who's really hot right now. And, you know, you got the – there's Michigan State and the UCLA who's going to be in the play-in game, and I feel like both of those teams are going to be tough. So there's just a lot going on in this region, and I think that, you know, Michigan, they're a team that all season looked pretty good. You know, they started the season. They weren't even ranked in the top 25, but in a, in a really strong Big Ten conference, you know, they started off 11-0. They have a deep roster. Their freshman big, Hunter Dickinson, he's really good. He's a stud, and I think he's turned out better than people anticipated going into the season. But their senior wing, Isaiah Livers, he's out with the foot. I think it's like a stress fracture in his foot, so he's going to be out. So they're not going to be at 100%, and they're not quite the Michigan team that I think people who've been following college basketball they're not quite the same team that they've been all year. So Michigan might have been one of those teams that peaked before the tournament. So they might have earned their number one seed, but they might not be quite at the number one seed level. So I think when you're filling out your brackets, you know, I wouldn't be too quick to the trigger to put Michigan all the way to the final four. So, and, and especially in the second round, they have to face the winner of LSU and St. Bonaventure. And I think at almost every website that you look at that when they're breaking down these brackets and these tournaments, they keep pointing to both of those teams as potential Cinderella runs and being tough matchups in the second round. So I think that that's also one of the reasons that Michigan has a tough draw being in this region. So, yeah, I think that if Michigan can get out of the first weekend – I it, it'll be tough because I feel like the um, 
at least their second round matchup will be tough and then trying to just get through navigate themselves their their way through the sweet 16 and the elite eight will probably be tough as well so you know michigan if they they can find if they can find their way through the to the final four it'll definitely be earned man and then you know number two you've got alabama they've got a deep rotation they're known for playing really great perimeter defense they were the sec tournament champion i feel like they're going to be able to get out of the at least out of the first round no problem i don't see any upsets in the first round you know texas at three they're playing abilene christian you know they're the big 12 tournament champion and you know that this first round matchup you know this is one of those other matchups people have been putting on the radar for a potential first round upset you know abilene the christian i guess they have a really good defense and then if texas if they can get past them their second round matchup is against the byu and then michigan state or ucla winner so you know those teams are going to be tough so that's a tough second round and then if they can get past that you know they potentially have to face either alabama or like yukon or maryland which are all tough teams so you know texas you know they got rewarded with winning the big 12 championship tournament with having a really tough entry into the into the march madness bracket you know florida state at four their top 10 in offensive efficiency rating and they've had three four game winning streaks throughout the season i think that that's kind of a significant stat because you know by being able to have multiple strings of four game winning streaks you know that's what you need right here in march madness be able to pull off four or five victories in a row so that the fact that they've been able to do that throughout the year multiple times in a tough acc conference you know they potentially could uh you know get hot and do something in this tournament so the five seed Colorado, you know, they've, you know, they got upset in the Pac-12 tournament, but they're still a really tough team. They've got to face hot, red hot Georgetown. I think Georgetown was below 500 in the big East going into the tournament, but they got hot and, you know, ran through the tournament one, they demolished Creighton in the final and Patrick Ewing, he's got Georgetown playing good. I think there's a lot of people that are, predicting georgetown that can pull off an upset here and you know so i think that that's definitely going to be you know one of the interesting matchups i think there's a lot of 512 matchups that and 6 and 11 matchups that are interesting and ripe for upsets and this could potentially be one of them you know byu they're facing the winner of michigan state and ucla the playing game that happens on uh on thursday um <laughs> sorry i just say like, one of my co-workers drove by and gave me a happy wave and i just greeted him with a, a happy middle finger so i think i caught him off guard there so um yeah so byu as i i think i've mentioned before they played gonzaga really tough you know gonzaga had to come back in the second half and really put on their a plus game to be able to pull off their their conference championship victory so you know byu they've shown that they can play good against elite competition so i think they're going to be tough and you know the winner of ucla and michigan state you know michigan state can get the get the win and get you know in the buying game tomorrow on thursday and get into the first round you know michigan state you know it's close to where they're holding the tournament in indianapolis the michigan state fan base travels big so of all the teams in this <clears throat> in this tournament that could potentially have any sort of home court advantage 
you know, maybe Michigan State. So, you know, if you get Michigan State and BYU, that might be a really interesting first-round matchup. And then, you know, the other matchups, number seven, UConn and Maryland, and eight, LSU and St. Bonaventure. I feel like both of those matchups are straight pickums. I think they're going to be, you know, hard, you know, hard to kind of just give a reason to pick one team or the over in either of those. I think they're going to be must-see television. And, yeah, I think you can't go wrong with picking, you know, either any of those teams in those two matchups. All right, let's move on to the Midwest region. The number one seed is Illinois. They've won 14 of their last 15. You know, if you've been seeing highlight packages of Illinois, you might have seen Ayo Dasunmu. He's their guy that, you know, he's the guy wearing a mask. I think he had a concussion and a broken nose at some point in the season. But this guy's averaging nearly 21 points a game, six rebounds and five assists. They're a really good team. They're, you know, they're built good top to bottom. And, you know, while I think they're going to have no problems getting out of the first round, they're going to have a tough second round matchup against facing the winner of Loyola Chicago and Georgia Tech. You know, that 8-9 matchup is going to be, you know, really good. I feel like both of those teams are teams that could have the potential to go into the second weekend. So it's kind of rough that they have to both face each other and then face the number one seed both in the first weekend. So Illinois, they'll definitely uh, have their hands full, I feel like, in that second round matchup. You know, two is Houston. They're top 10 in both offensive defensive efficiency. They allow the the lowest field goal percentage and they're second in the nation in offensive rebounds you know houston's one of those you know they're not considered a big name school i guess because they're not in one of those like top five power conferences but houston is someone that i've read a lot of places that people think can make a run to the final four and when you look at that being you know top 10 in um in both offense and defense i think they're the only team in the country that can boast that statistic so you know houston's definitely one to keep an eye on west virginia number three they were a top 10 team for most of the year i think a lot of people were thinking they were going to at least be a number two seed for you know most of the season you know i follow pat McAfee show a lot he was a kicker for west virginia so you know he's been somewhat covering west virginia college basketball year so i know that they've had a pretty good season so you know i think that they're pretty solid number three seed you know they've got four players who average in double figures however their defense has you know has a lot to be desired or left to be desired you know their defense is 286 in defensive rebounds and they allow opponents to shoot over 50 percent from the field or at least from two point so west virginia is going to have to tighten up on defense if they expect to make a run in this tournament oklahoma state their team that's finished out the season really strong they finished uh Big 12 conference play going six and one. They then went on a run in the conference tournament. They upset Baylor in the semifinals and played played Texas tough. So you know Oklahoma State is you know they're. I think people might be surprised that they did get to the four seed, but I think they're pretty solid and they're playing some of their best basketball right now. They're definitely going to have to control their turnovers. They're 298th in the country in turnover rate, so that'll be something they have to look into. Number five, you got Tennessee. They rank fourth in defensive efficiency, so they're a solid defensive team, but from what I've read is they have no real go-to score, so when things get tough and at the end of the game, if you need to get a big basket, I don't know if they necessarily have the guy. 
They're playing against Oregon State, a team that I think in the beginning of the season they were ranked the as the last place Pac-12 team or projected to be the last Pac-12 team. And, you know, they made a run in the Pac-12 tournament and so and got you know, got a championship which got them their bid. So that they're gonna be tough. I think that's gonna be an interesting matchup. See another interesting five twelve matchup. So uh, six, you got San Diego State. It's the hometown team over here. They are stingy on defense. They have only allowed sixty points per game. Never more than seventy-two points in a game. They're playing up against Syracuse, who has a good offense. You know, the twenty-second in offense efficiency. So I think that you know that's going to be interesting. It's a, a case of a really good defense versus a really good offense. You know, definitely going to be pulling for the home squad there in San Diego State. You know, in the the seven to ten matchup with Clemson and Rutgers, not going to lie, neither of them were any particular exciting. I think that that's just going to be a pick'em, and I think when it comes down to it, with a lot of these pick'ems, I'm probably just going to go with the higher seed. You know, that's not, you know. Every year there's always upsets and there's people that are lower seeds that are going to upset the higher seeds. But, you know, they're, the higher seeds are higher seeds for a reason, so they have a higher percentage of winning. So, you know, I think in this case, you know, when you're looking at Clemson, uh, Clemson and Rutgers, you know, I think, you know, picking pick Clemson just because they're seven over ten Rutgers, that's good enough reason to pick them. You know, and then in the 8-9 matchup, I think this is going to be the biggest uh, first-round matchup of this region. You know, you got Loyola Chicago versus Georgia Tech. You know, a lot of the analysts like both of these teams. Georgia Tech has won eight straight going into this. And then Loyola Chicago, they've won, they've gone 17-2 and two in 2021. And then they've won 17 of their last 18. So they're... You know, they're playing some of their best basketball. And Loyola Chicago, you might think, hey, they're a, they're a small school. They're not one of these big-name schools. But that hasn't stopped them in the past. In the 2018, they went to a Final Four. So this is one of those teams, you know, they could, you know, either of these teams can make a run. I think the only downside is that, one, they have to play each other in the first round. And then, two, they got to run into Illinois in the second round. When, and that's you know, anticipating Illinois not getting upset by a 16 seed in the first round. So there you have it between the past two episodes. I think I've talked about each of the teams in some form, or at least all of the matchups in some form, one of the teams in all the matchups. So, you know, over the past two episodes, hopefully it will give you some sort of knowledge when you're filling out your bracket on tomorrow's episode, Thursday's episode, March 18th, I'm going to be revealing my bracket for the tournament. And, you know, not saying it's going to be the best bracket, but I feel like over the past couple days, I feel like I've looked at as much college basketball shit as I can. So I feel like it's as good as it's going to get. But I also at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if people who just went and picked everything based off of the highest seed or picking everything based off of what is the cutest mascot. I wouldn't be surprised if you guys finished better than me who's been trying to play mini college basketball analyst. So we'll be able to see over the next couple weeks. But until then, this has been another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. I am your host, Dean Ryan coming to you from the tesla studios here in beautiful sunny san diego california have a great one guys peace